want to make a podcast, let me tell you about Spotify's program for podcasters. And it's called Spotify for Podcasters. I've been using it for over a year now. Couldn't be happier from the switch. You can record wherever you create podcasts, whether it be your phone, computer, and it's easy to upload it and distribute it to everywhere podcasts are heard. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Best of all, Spotify for Podcasters is completely free. So launch your podcast today. Get started with Spotify for Podcasters. Go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Welcome and thanks for listening to the podcast. Slightly different setup today. If you're watching over on YouTube, you'll notice that the podcast studio is uh, not where I'm at. I'm actually in front of the former Soviet consulate in Guangzhou, China. You might hear a little bit of the background noise, but today's episode has been in the queue for a little bit. And we're gonna talk more Guns Gear Memorial Foundation. I'm joined by Baldy and Michael Thompson. Baldy is an F-16 pilot. His brother, Michael, is a PGA professional golfer and has been on the tour for about 15 years, both of which are heavily involved in the Guns Gear Memorial Foundation. So we're gonna talk a little bit more about that today. We're gonna to hear a little bit more of their stories. We're gonna hear some Guns Gear stories and some There I Was stories if you're over there on Patreon and subscribing. As always, thanks to my Patreon supporters. And thanks for everyone who's gone over to iTunes and Spotify and dropped a rating or review. Listen to the podcast, and if you're on YouTube, liking and subscribing, all that helps the podcast grow and keeps things moving along. Thanks to the Guns Gear Memorial Foundation for inviting me up, as well as E3 Aviation, to record and capture some of the awesome stuff they're doing. You definitely want to check it out. They're helping veterans in an incredible way, and they just got started. They're also geared towards helping youth get involved in aviation. This year, E3 Aviation is the title sponsor at Sun and Fun. We have some members of Guns Gear Memorial Foundation that are going to be joining us down there. If you're interested to learn more about E3 Aviation, you can click the link down below. Becoming an annual member gets you VIP access to our E3 tent all week. If you haven't done an air show VIP style, it is the only way to do it. And in my mind, that pays for it in of itself. Monthly E3 members get 50% off the VIP package. So in my mind, again, a smoking deal. You can click the link down below for more info. And with that being said, let's jump into the podcast with Michael and Baldy Thompson. And just like that, we're off to the races. So, gents, this is exciting. This is the first time I've had two people sitting on the other side of the screen here, so to speak. I don't know if that's good or bad, but got Michael Thompson and Baldy Thompson, or Zach, I guess, is what you go by in real life. I don't know if that's true or not. Call me whatever you want. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, good. We'll have a renaming here. Guys, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Excited to talk with both of you. We are doing a whole segment here for the Guns Garen Memorial Foundation you two integral parts of that, but I wanted to kind of paint a picture a little bit of both or you know, really the background of both of you guys unique in the sense that your brothers, I would say your professions are rather unique and challenging to get into one being a professional golfer, one being a fighter pilot. We want to kind of do a little deep dive because people are going to see everything we recorded and were able to capture up at the, the golf tournament for the foundation, which again, the guns gear and Memorial foundation, I think is an incredible thing you guys have started. It was cool to see the impact firsthand that you've had. So with that being said, I guess we'll jump off with the oldest. 
Michael, I always ask people to give me like the 60 to 90 second elevator pitch of who you are, a little bit of background of where you got to and what you're doing today. Yeah. Um, I'm a Baldy's brother. Um, <laughs> my name's Michael. I, uh, I play golf on the PGA Tour. I'm entering my 13th year on the PGA Tour, which uh, I still pinch myself every day uh, that I get to live my dream. Um, it's been my dream ever since I was six years old to play on the PGA Tour. Um, I, uh, I just love golf. Um, yeah. And um, I, I kind of, as I grew up, I worked my way into getting better. I, uh, I didn't take a lesson until I was 14. I got down to a three handicap all by myself as a kid. Um, which is incredible. I don't know how I did it. It just happened. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I played my way through junior golf, got a golf, uh, scholarship, uh, to play in college at Tulane university was there during hurricane Katrina transferred to university of Alabama, finished my college degree there, uh, played two years there, won sec championship, finished runner up the USAM turned pro, uh, right out of college and, uh, played almost three years on the mini tours. Uh, the Hooters tour is what it was called. And yes, there were Hooters girls on the team box. Uh, yeah, back week. in the day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it, uh, it was entertaining and, uh, um, made it through Q school in 2010 and, uh, got, uh, started my, my, uh, rookie year on the PGA tour in 2011. Um, been out there ever since I've won twice on the PGA tour, uh, once on the corn Ferry tour, and, uh, you know, just been living my dream. I travel about 30 weeks a year. And, uh, so my vacation is every time I go home, yeah, <laughs> I right. live out of my suitcase, um, and, uh, you know, just play golf as much as possible. That's awesome. That's a biz. I mean, 30 weeks a year. That's a lot of traveling. I have so many it questions is. here. The funny <laughs> parallel is we're all going through school about the same time. I went to Georgia Tech and I remember Hurricane Katrina. We got like just dumped on. My apartment complex was flooding. But yeah. subsequently, we had several ROTC cadets from Tulane and a few other universities down there that ended up okay. transferring up to finish ROTC, which yeah. again, that that's not something that's very common. Obviously, it's a massive disaster that happened. Yeah. Was it tough switching universities playing golf i imagine there's some politics slash you know like alabama's not a small school was that a challenge right. right yeah actually for me it was it was a pretty easy process the only downside was they dropped the golf program in, de in december after the uh the commitment deadline the the i guess the, the signing date for for kids coming out of, out of high school um so i was late to the year the signing and so the, my, my choices were kind of limited. I had some universities that wanted to offer scholarships, but just didn't have them because they had already signed players for the next year. Okay. Um, but I, I went through the whole recruiting process over again. I, I went to five different schools. I think I went to LSU, New Mexico, Alabama, Florida, and Oklahoma State. And Florida and Oklahoma State were actually top five programs at the time. Um, and the reason why I got offers from there is because I won four college tournaments in the first two years at Tulane. So um, I was an accomplished player at that point. And the other nice thing was I was transferring in as a junior. So I already knew what college was all about. I kind of had an idea of what type of university, what coach I wanted to play for. Um, and so the actual decision process, although it was lengthy, um, I kind of, I knew what, what to expect. 
Um, and uh, settling on Alabama was probably the best choice I could have made because uh, not only did I play against better competitors in the SEC, uh, Alabama was just a fun place to go to. I'm <laughs> going to football games. Right. Um, the the athletic the support for the for the athletes there is is you know top notch probably number one in the country um, it's uh, it was just a great atmosphere for me to get better as a golfer because um, again my dream it wasn't wasn't to be get a business degree or, or or be in business somehow it was to play golf professionally and um, Alabama prepared me for that uh, way better than than Tulane ever could have. So Hurricane Katrina was October, I think, right? Uh, when August of, well, of uh, 2005. Okay, ballpark. Yeah. I was so I'd have an August, but but when was when did you get signed by Alabama? Um, so I signed, I think, in April. I want to say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so they th- dropped the golf program in uh, I think December 9th, um, in 2005, and then I spent the whole spring semester traveling to all these different universities, basically going on official recruiting visits again, um, yeah. where they would bring me in and I'd get to meet the team, go practice a little bit with the team, see the, see the facilities, go to a, go to a game, go to a, like a, um, uh, a baseball game or volleyball or, you know, just something to experience university life, uh, and university athletics. Um, and then in April, I made the decision uh, where I wanted to go. Did you find people were out there kind of lending a hand based on the scenario you went through or were you kind of out there on your own? I feel like there was some empathy or, you know, some sympathy that was out there for just the yeah. devastation that Katrina hit or oh, yeah. were you. Yeah. We, we actually had a lot of support when, uh, in the, right after, uh, Katrina hit the Tulane golf teams, we went to school. Um, we actually essentially transferred to SMU in Dallas and uh, did the fall semester in Dallas. And and I left two days before the the hurricane hit with my golf clubs, a pair (laughs) of shoes, like two days worth of clothes and my schoolwork. And that was it. I was, I was totally expecting to be back within a few days. Right. And so not your car. You didn't bring your car. Well, yeah, I didn't have my car. Actually, my (laughs) wife, uh, who I was dating at the time, I drove her car from New Orleans to Houston. I left my car in New Orleans and that ended up getting submerged in 10 feet of water. <laughs> totally destroyed. <Yeah. laughs> um, but once, once we got to SMU, um, we actually had a lot of like local businesses reach out and allow us to, uh, to shop essentially for free to gain, get wow. clothes, school supplies, um, that sort of thing kind of get settled a little bit. Um, Cause I had nothing. I mean, I had nothing. Um, and, uh, and, and that kind of held us over for, for a few months. Um, and then uh, when I was going through transferring, um, I was fortunate in that I, I had won four tournaments. So I had a lot of universities show a lot of interest. I had other teammates of mine that had more of a struggle in terms of finding another place to go to play golf. Um, and uh, their opportunities were a lot less than mine. But uh, most of us ended up transferring, which was, which was a good thing. And, and I've, I've still kept in touch with a lot of those guys. That's really cool. All right. Shifting gears a little bit, not to ignore Baldy this entire time, but if you're watching this, he's wearing a hat. 
I've actually seen him in person. He's not bald. So there you go. But yeah, look at that full head of hair, so to speak. So Baldy, uh, same type question. Can you kind of give me the, the 60, 90 second elevator pitch? And I'm sure I'll have a question or two that comes out of that. Sure. Uh, well, I did not have a three handicap when I was 14 or same. whatever. So, uh, Fairly, fairly <laughs> achieving that. Uh, no, so obviously, brothers. Uh, we grew up in Arizona. Um, you know, we are, our the funny story that we have is that when we were six years old, that is basically when we both knew what we wanted to do when we got older, uh, and then here we are, which is funny. So, uh, as much as he wanted to play golf, uh, I fell in love with aviation. You know, we grew up in Tucson, so there's tons of uh, fighter jets out there between the guard and then the active duty with the A-10s and the, uh, and then the Vipers, um, obviously Davis Monson's a huge base. So I fell in love with it. Um, and then basically pursued that my entire life. Um, everything I was doing was trying to kind of get myself one step closer, open another door as you know, you're aware of the process of getting to where, uh, you're flying fighter jets. So, um, the first step to that really was uh, go to the Air Force Academy for me. So did that. Uh, uh, not as that was fun. Yeah, not as, uh, <laughs> not as uh, fun as Alabama, I guess. But uh, you know, uh, same not, same. I'm a fan now by by yeah, right. so converted, converted. But, um, anyway, did that. <laughs> um, then uh, got a pilot slot out of there. Went to Del Rio, Texas. Uh, and then flew the T6, T38, and then I got faked. So, you know, that gig, we can talk uh, more about that later, but uh, in Del Rio was there basically for three years in the T6. And then, uh, and then got selected to go fly, uh, Vipers, which took me to, um, you know, Randolph for IFF and then to, uh, Luke for F16s and then to Korea, uh, the last bastion frontier of, uh, fighter aviation. So for rough. Um, and then, uh, and then actually got a TFI, so, uh, uh or active associate uh, slot at McIntyre. So it was an active duty guy associated with, uh, the South Carolina guard flying, uh, their block 52s and then, uh, hit my commitment punch and, uh, still flying the F-16 at McIntyre, uh, here in South Carolina. And then just recently also, uh, got hired by Delta Airlines. So, uh, there you go. tag teaming the two, but there you go. So there's my story. <laughs> Well, not to compare you to Croc, but Croc did lead in with that he went to the United States Air Force Academy, and yeah, basically the podcast was over at that point. So, <laughs> oh my god, there was, there was oh, nothing, god. nothing. I had I had no more questions at that point, you know. Yeah, absolutely, podcast <laughs> over. Yeah, talk about the differences between the Air Force Academy and Alabama just a little bit, um, <laughs> as far as the fun meter. Having not gone to the academy, I can only imagine. But uh, great school up there. Just describe your first year. <laughs> Nah, I blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> Those penguins have been kicked off the iceberg and banished, never to come back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Michael, you said that you know you go you would go to school for business administration, but the only thing you ever want to do is play golf. Did you have a backup plan? Was it to go into business, or what was going to happen? And if yeah, golf didn't work out, you say that my my dad actually uh, was was uh, very adamant that I have a backup plan because he was convinced that, that I wouldn't make it as a pro and, and rightfully so, you know, as, as a father, you want to protect your kids, like professional ath athletes in general, the number of them is very small. Um, you know, it's less than 1% out of college that actually make it professionally. Uh, and then the golf world, uh, even more so it is, I mean, there's 200 guys on the PGA tour that have a card every year. 
Uh, what's the, what's the average length you play on the tour? Is there an average? I mean, thirteen uh, like, years like, seems like a good run, but yeah, like how many how many yeah how many years can you usually get yeah, out of it? I, I would say the average is probably you know five to eight uh, for yeah. most guys. Um, so I you know getting close to fifteen is is uh, you know pretty significant. Um, That's I definitely. Uh, carry more weight with regards to respect from, from my fellow, fellow players. Um, uh, everybody knows who I am. Obviously I know everybody, um, every year there's new faces, which is, which is kind of interesting to see how the rookies are going to do every year. Uh, cause I remember what I felt like when I was a rookie, um, very nervous, very out of, you know, eyes wide open, out of my element, didn't know what to expect was just, you know, felt like I was chasing my tail all year. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's to be able to stay on tour for a long time and never lose your card and, and have a, a full PG tour card every year is, is quite an accomplishment. Cause, um, as probably a lot of your listeners know, like, like the competition out there is, is fierce, uh, and for, for both our professions, the, 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 the competition between our peers is, is intense. Um, but that's also what, what makes it fun. Um, that makes it enjoyable. Right. So, um, I, I'm, again, I'm very lucky. I pinch myself every day that I'm still playing out there. No, that's incredible. I, you, I mean, you mentioned the three handicap, like I was, I'm happy if I don't lose three golf balls <laughs> when I go out and play. So like, that's yeah. a win, but yep. I think you're right. The, the, if it's one, you know, less than 1% make it to the, the pros, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who have spent, you know, they're, you know, from, peewee leagues all the way up through college a whole lot of time and money trying to make it that just don't make it yep. uh, to there and yeah. i don't know what the numbers on the fighter pilot side baldy maybe you know but again it's like out of my class of 30 for t6s two went on to the 38 we washed back to build a big enough class to, to go yeah. to fighters i think probably being a fighter pilot's probably easier to get than being a professional golfer uh, but you know <laughs> don't tell them that yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll cut that part out. That way, he doesn't yeah. have it on on record. <laughs> but Baldy, when did you know that you wanted to go fly fighters? Uh, so, uh, I mean, like I said, it was when I was six. Um, so, my our our dad uh, basically loved two things. You know, um, or passed on to us two things. It was golf and flying flying jet. So. He, uh, you know, he was in his twenties, our dad was in, uh, during the Vietnam war and, um, he kind of got approached about, uh, uh, potentially flying for the, uh, the Tucson guard, uh, back then. And, um, you know, he didn't have the eyes for it, uh, but he just kind of always loved aviation to a certain degree. And then, um, our, uh, our grandfather, our, our, our dad's dad, uh, played professional golf back in the basically the forties. Um, if you want to call it yeah. professional golf, it was a lot of, a lot of gambling, a lot of gambling. And that's how they made their money. But, you know, yeah. So which that, that we could have a whole nother podcast about, about that and probably bring our dad in to tell those stories. But, uh, you know, obviously he kind of passed those two things on. We were really young. So he, one of the things he let us do when we were six was watch Top Gun. Right. So it's the classic age old story, uh, of, you know, you see that movie, you know, you're six, you get addicted to it. And it's like, that's what happened to me. So, um, so again, you know, we, at that same time, we took our first golf lessons at, uh, at David's mom. Yeah. So, 
you know, watching jets playing golf, like here we are. So, um, yeah. which is a pretty wild story. Um, and then I just pursued it and you know, my dad, our dad was in the, um, was in the Tucson guard and, and listing and, you know, uh, did that for a long time. And, uh, you know, in the guard it's a unique family where everybody knows everybody, you know, so he knew several pilots as well, like, uh, as he progressed and, uh, when we were kids and he introduced me to some of the, some of the F-16 pilots and, you know, obviously I, that helped me along the way in terms of figuring out the path that I needed to take to get to where I'm at today. So, um, that's how it started. And that's kind of like, I never kind of gave up on that, um, on that dream. Man. So you had somebody holding your hand all the way through. I had, <laughs> I had to figure it all that's, out on my own. That's fake news. <laughs> well, say, you know, like Baldy going to the Air Force Academy, you kind of have a backup plan in the sense that you're going to have a job sure. when you get out. But did you did you put down navigator or a combat system officer, a weapon system officer? I don't know what the flavor of the day is. Did you were you going to do yeah, pilot? I put, and then, I put navigator down. Right. So, um, you know, you, you know, when you put your when you put your list at the academy, um, I mean, you have kind of sort of an idea of like what your chances are a little bit in terms of what kind of, you know, uh, AFSC, right? So like what job you're going to get or, uh, when you graduate. And um, it was, you know, it was hit or miss. This was this was 2008, 9-ish time frame. And it, you know, I felt like at that time, you know, there was obviously the war in Iraq and Afghanistan was still kind of more or less going on. Uh, but at the same time, it almost was as if there was a surplus of pilots. So there was a big fear for us at the time was how many pilot slots were there going to be out of the academy, which is one of the reasons why I went to the academy was so that I had the highest percentage chance of getting a, a pilot slot from, the, you know, from college. Right. Um, yep. And um you know, so I put navigator on there, um, but I feel like the chances were decently high. But in my mind, I, would, I was one track focused. I was like, I, if I don't even know what I would do if I didn't get a pilot slot, that's where I was like mentally. Um, and and then I got it and I was like, oh, thank the Lord, because God knows what I was <laughs> <laughs> it's Kind of the same way. I did international affairs. So if I got hit in the eye with a rock, I'd be a starving artist and I'm not artistic. <laughs> so been a been a real rough life. So yeah, right. Growing up, did was there some competition in the house? I mean, I'm guessing Michael spent most of your time out there on the golf course. Baldy, did you go out there and play, or were you yeah, just saying, I'm not, we, I'm, you know, there was a great deal. I mean, again, I was just you know part of like I feel like where we are at today has a lot to do with like where we grew up and our parents and whatnot. But we grew up in Tucson, Arizona, and they had a great deal when you're a kid, 18 years and younger. Um, you've got this little like golfing cart pass thing and you could go out and you could play basically any golf course in the city for a dollar, like all day long. Um, so our parents would drop us off at the golf course and just be like, see ya. Yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> and so the, the joke or the funny story that I always tell everybody is that, you know, how is he a professional golfer? Because he would go out to the putting green for like eight hours. And I, I you know, this is like, this is Arizona in the summer, right? So he's out there just sweating. It's like, you know, 12 year old backs already killing him. Right. And I'm like, this sucks. So I go into the clubhouse and get like a pina colada, you know, like that's, that's, that's the difference. Right. So <laughs> I totally forgot about that. We used to, we used to hammer pina coladas. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but he would, you know, awesome. he would go out there and practice a lot and it was competitive, but you know, he just, he worked at it so hard, so early, um, which is in, 
I feel like in sports, we've had this conversation before, you know, but like, that's what you need to do. You need to, um, keep at it every day, like reps and reps and reps and reps. And that's how you get good at it. Um, and that's what he did probably better than anybody as competitive as we were. Um, he was always, you know, put the time and effort in. So. Well, yeah. And obviously doing something like that, you're spending years and years, like it's a dedicated profession. Michael, what was the the path out of college into the pros? Are you doing different tournaments to compete? Is there like a combine, like they say, you know, for like the NFL or how, how does that work? Yeah, no, it's actually a lot simpler than, than most people realize. I essentially just declared that I was going to play professionally and I entered um, a mini tour event as a professional. And as soon as you accept that first prize check as a professional, you become a professional golfer. I mean, there's no... There's no real fanfare. There's uh, no special, you know, you don't have to sign up for anything or, or fill out an application or, or, or anything like that. Um, and I just entered a mini tour event, uh, made the cut, took the money and entered the next event. Right. And uh, essentially just tried to play as much as I could. I was literally playing three, four, five weeks in a row. And I take a week off and I go out and play, play more. Um, the other thing that people don't realize about mini tour golf is that it's essentially organized gambling. The entry fees, at, at least when I was playing were, you know, $1,200 to play in a tournament. And, uh, I had to finish 25th or better just to make my money back. Um, wow. and, uh, so it was pretty, uh, um, pretty intense competition in terms of, uh, you know, if you're not playing well, you're not making anything. And, uh, I think that first year I actually played really poorly and only made $27,000, uh, while spending 80, uh, <laughs> and, good right uh, off. just traveling. And, I, and that's, that's me driving everywhere, you know, paying, you know, hotels, food, entry fees for tournaments. Um, and, uh, by the third year, I finally figured it out. I, I ended up winning three tournaments. Um, and, um, I think I made a hundred thousand dollars for the year. So I profited probably 20, uh, which was a good year. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then made it through Q school and, and the real golden ticket is getting on the PGA tour because that's where the real money is. That's where the prestige, uh, playing against the best competition, you know, like uh, all of that. So, um, that's, that's your goal as a, as a struggling mini tour player is figuring out how to play well at the right times so that you can get out on the PGA tour. Um, How, what, what is that step? What's that process uh, to so get into the PGA? I, I went through Q school, um, qualifying okay. school, uh, and the PGA tour hosts that. Um, and when I was going through it, there's, there were three stages, first, second, and third stage. Uh, third stage is re- often referred to as final stage. Um, at each stage, you have to finish top 20 or better to move on to the next, uh, so the first year I played, I was exempt into the second stage uh, because I made the cut at the U.S. Open as an amateur. That that qualified me into second stage, and then I didn't make it past that. I think I finished, I don't know, 40th or whatever. And okay. if you don't make it past second stage, you have no status. You go back to the mini tours, and you you essentially struggle to make money, and you just try to figure out how to get better. Um, the second year I did did uh, Q school, I didn't make it past first stage, so I didn't even give myself an opportunity to make final stage. Uh, and that was that was brutal, uh, and that was the year I only made twenty seven thousand dollars. That was that was a real struggle. I I 
almost thought about giving up golf. Like it was that bad. Yeah. Um, cause, uh, the, the, a part of that story is, is when I turned pro, I was the number one amateur in the world. Uh, just, uh, played the masters in the U S open as an amateur, um, was a first team all American in college. So I was, I was at the top, uh, top of the top, uh, in college, um, very playing very consistent golf. And then I turned pro and, and just, it felt like I got smacked in the face. Um, professional golf really woke me up to the realities of professional life and that, yeah. um, it's a dog eat dog world and, and you have to earn everything that you, you, you make. Um, there's no free rides. There's no, there's no gifts. Um, and so, um, you know, that second year was a real struggle. And the, 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 the third year, uh, I kind of got back into what Zach, it's hard for me to refer to him as Baldy. <laughs> when I was a kid in terms of practicing, putting in the time, uh, I, I always like to use the expression, um, when I get on the range, I'm trying, trying to dig it out of the dirt, dig the success out of the dirt. Uh, literally sitting on the range and hitting balls for hours upon hours upon hours. Um, and, uh, and finally had some success. And then, so the third year I go to Q school and I make, I start at first stage. I finished third at first stage, go to second stage. I, uh, I shot eight under the final two rounds to make it by one. I think it's like 15 under 14th or whatever at second stage go to final stage. And, and this is where it gets extremely grueling is at the time, final stage was six straight rounds, six days of golf. Um, and the top 25 at the end of those six days got their PGA tour cards and everybody, uh, behind that was, got, uh, corn Ferry tour stats. And, uh, I played real solid the whole time. I went down by myself. I was married um, newly married. And I went down by myself for, you know, almost, I think 12 days. Um, and, uh, played real solid. And the final round, um, I ended up making Eagle on the second to last hole of the tournament to get in the number by one. Mm -hmm. And that got me wow. my PGA tour card. Um, it was, I think I made like a, a 50 footer on the second. You can still look it up on YouTube. If you, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. if you type right, Thompson Eagle at Q school or something like that, you could, you could still see that video. It's pretty cool. I'll put, I'll put this in this episode that, uh, man. So I, I kind of realized too, you guys are what, 15 months apart yeah. roughly. So yeah. you guys, your career paths, like the challenges you're going through probably are paralleling one another. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I do want to jump back. It's interesting to hear you say, obviously you're very successful in college, very successful amateur, but it sounds like you got basically like three or four years after you're out of college where you're really slugging it. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I guess it's interesting yeah. because, you know, obviously he's older, right? So he's kind of has the, one foot out the door in terms of each phase of life, which has always been funny because I feel like our parents are more strict on you than they were on me. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. First born is fine. But, um, right. You know, yeah, it was interesting because, you know, he school wise with Katrina, he ended up being only a year ahead of me because he, you got that year of eligibility back. Right. Right. Thank God. Right. Um, uh, but, 
Um, you know, I don't know if Alabama <laughs> taking you if you only have one year. Right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So the one good thing the NCAA did, right? The one good act that they ever <laughs> done was give every athlete every a, now and then. a whole year of eligibility back, right? Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I say that story because I feel like, you know, obviously you have to work very hard, but there's also aspects of luck and everything, right? Um, that kind of enables you to get to where you're at. Um, and I feel like that was an instance of that. But, you know, in, in terms of what you're talking about, Rain, you know, yeah, I mean, he graduated college and I, you know, so he, you know, is now professional doing his thing. And then I'm, you know, waiting to get a pilot slot. I'm like, okay, I get the pilot slot. He's like, all right, I'm a professional. I actually think you had a, you had a ping as a sponsor, like mm-hmm. right out of college, which helped you know, pay your, yeah. you know, when you had your, $27,000 a yep. year, like yep. you would have been screwed if you didn't right. know, have exactly. that help. Right. You know, so like there's little, uh, there's, there's that. So he's, he's now doing that. I'm like, okay, I'm in pilot training. And then, you know, and then right about the time he's having his, his bad year is like, that's also like we're at, we're at when I get faked, which is not something that I necessarily <laughs> wanted to do. I wanted for those that, you know, know or don't know this process, um, for, for pilot training in the air force, right. You go through with your class and, you know, you obviously you got you're competing with everybody at the same time, and then you get to, um, you know, you you have your your they call phase two, right, which is your T six, and you get ranked, and then only a certain portion, you know, get to T thirty eight, which is the kind of the fighter track or range. You had two people in your class, I had seven, so it was a decent percentage of like, you know, I think it was about 34, 34 guys or so, um, and then. And then from there, you're competing against that seven to go down the fighter track. And um, we had two, so I was number three, and then I got faked. Uh, but it's very competitive. And so that was kind of a, oh, man, like now I'm trying to – I got to compete yet again as a fate to get to a, the fighter world while he's trying to get on the PGA Tour. So it was interesting parallel at the same time that that happened, um, which is kind of, I feel like, been true our entire lives. And then, you know, and then right about the time that he got on tour – uh, and actually, you got second at the U.S. Open, and then you mm-hmm. won a tournament. Was a, basically the time when I got F-16. So there was like lots to celebrate with family, like in between <laughs> 2013, 14 timeframe. So um, you know, I feel like to a certain degree, it was actually kind of a good thing because you know we, you know we we've had many conversations about our career fields and like the stress and like the challenges, and so we've you know during a time like that, it was actually kind of nice because we could chat about it and be like. You know, what do you do? What do I do? Whatever. And so you'd be able to rely on somebody like that in a totally different career field, but very similar, like mental stress environment. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. kind of cool. So, yeah, it's pretty unique the fact that you guys are both going through it at the same time, roughly. And I can't think of at least noise generating career fields on the opposite end of the spectrum huh. be so different. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing. And I think I told you guys this up there at the tournament. When I, I had an Uber driver who took me to dinner for the, uh, yeah, for the dinner. And he asked me what I did. I said, Hey, I'm a pilot. And he goes, well, you know, how long did you, how long have you been a pilot? So I told him, and then he's like, you're so fortunate that you knew what you wanted to do at a young age. And to that, I do agree. And I've told a lot of young people too. It's like, you got to find a passion yeah. and hopefully you find it young enough because I mean, really the runway runs out pretty quickly not saying you can't reinvent yourself sure. but it's really tough like i'm not gonna go play in the pga tour like it, the, that that will not happen for me if i just picked up the golf clubs to, tomorrow and said man i really love this i just want to go out there and do it like yeah. that ship sailed and right, yeah. you really only have a finite window that you can go out there and 
pursue some kind of profession like the two you were involved in. Yeah, I, I think that's where our parents did did really uh, well for us is they exposed us to as many things as they possibly could at a young age. Yeah. And we just happened to land on golf and flying, you know, and um, yeah. and then on top of that, once we did show our passion and our our interest, they they helped uh, they helped us pursue those. Um, let let us dream. One thing my da- our, our dad um, did really well was he wanted us to dream big, and he 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 wanted us to um, believe in ourselves. You know, um, because I think he knew you know just from a sense of raising kids, like it, it's good for kids to dream. It's it's good for kids to have a passion, whether they they end up. Uh, being successful in that doesn't really matter. Uh, it it helps guide kids to learn how to be um, disciplined, how to be passionate, how to be um, confident. You know, um, all those things are are really good for kids growing up. And um, so they, they 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 didn't ever squash our dreams. Um, yeah, and yeah, I feel I mean I feel the same way. I mean, again, you know, I've. Uh, I've, I've always been fascinated because again, like I, I've, I've wanted to do what I do since I was six, same thing for him. So it's been, that's what we have known in terms of like your mentorship, uh, you know, your desire, your path to get to where you want to go. That's, that's what we've known. I've always found it interesting to ask people. I don't know if you've asked these, this question to other players on the PGA tour, but like, how, you know, how did you get started? Where was your passion from? And I know plenty of guys in the fighter community who, you know, kind of found it a little bit late and, you yep. know, um, obviously again a little bit of luck but like a lot of effort had to go in to kind of pursue it um and i would contend that obviously the earlier you start the easier it will be to a certain degree uh just because you can get a lot of practice and experience just have more time you have more time to do it all you know but yeah like you said like the runway will eventually run out with like your opportunity or your you know the time that you have to hit you know ten thousand golf balls like to be good enough right to get to that point um but I've always been, you know, just kind of fascinated with that topic. And, and we're just very lucky because our parents, both our mom and our dad, just really kind of um, enabled us. Right. So our, our dad enabled us to dream big. And then our, our mom really enabled us. Uh, like she was like, if that's what you want to do, like she really did a lot of research and like pushed us to be like, OK, this is what you, you need to do. And, yeah. and, you know, really kind of kept us on track. Uh, so I think for in terms of our parents, we just were very fortunate with that. Um, and it worked for both of us. So, yeah, it's very cool. Michael, uh, kind of jump back here a little bit again, those couple years as you're trying to make it, I think Baldy and I, same experience. Like you don't really want to be a fabe. You're trying to go through all that, but like, yeah, you got a paycheck. Like it's, it's a known path. It's a known quantity. We're not the first ones to do it. Not saying you're the first one to, to navigate into the PGA tour, Mm -hmm. but, um, I feel like there's probably more uncertainties. Like we knew on the first and the 15th, we're getting a paycheck. We knew we had health insurance, those type things. What got you through those, is it fair to say transition years? Uh, Did you want to quit? What was the motivation to keep pushing forward? Yeah. So as Zach said earlier, I, um, I had a nice sponsorship from Payne right out of college, uh, which was, which was phenomenal that that actually supported me for three years, gave me enough money to play, play professional golf for three years. 
Um, after that, I would have had to write letters to private donors and try to get guys to, you know, members at the club that I practice at to sponsor me, you know, for, for a year, give me, give me $5,000 here and, you know, get $10,000 from this guy. And thankfully I wasn't, I wasn't forced to do that. Um, so in that, that respect, I didn't have to really worry in the three years about living expenses, you know, travel expenses, those kinds of things. Um, and, uh, but I think the, the, the big problem that I had, uh, in playing professional golf is, um, and the difference between professional golf and amateur golf is amateur golf score. It, it matters, but it doesn't affect my life. Right. Um, you know, when I was in, in school, I still, still had class every day. I, I, I knew when my tournaments were, I didn't have to pay for the tournaments. The school paid for them. All they did all my travel. My coach helped me practice and set up, you know, uh, very specific drills in practice. So I didn't really have to think about what I needed to do. When you turn pro, you got to do all that on your own. You got to do all your own travel. You got to book all your own hotels. You gotta, you gotta force yourself to go practice. Uh, right. and be disciplined in your practice. Um, and then you have to figure out how to play well, because if you, if you make too many bogeys in a round, you're going to miss a cut and then you don't get paid. Um, so golf, uh, is very different professionally than it is amateur because it actually matters. Each stroke matters. Um, and that was hard for me to, to deal with initially. Um, and what got me out of that was, just the pure desire uh, to succeed because playing on the mini tours, I got to know some of the guys out there and I got to, to play with a number of guys who were successful that made, um, you know, every year there was five to 10 guys that probably made over a hundred thousand dollars every year. And they just consistently week in and week out finished top five, top 10. They were just machines. And I was like, I wanted that. I, I, I desperately wanted it. Cause again, this was my dream. This is what I wanted to do. And if I was going to succeed, I needed to figure out how to play like these guys were playing. Um, and so just out of sheer will and determination, um, that was the motivation for me, uh, to put in the work and to think about, all right, how am I going to play better golf? And so I started thinking about golf more, uh, along the line of, of how I played as an amateur, which was just get the ball in the hole as fast as you can. <laughs> Simple. And, and, Easy. And honestly, that by doing that, it distracted me from all of the, the responsibilities that I had as a professional golfer. Um, and, uh, and allowed me to just go out and play golf. Well, I think I'm, I'm good now. I'm just, I now have my pro tip. Yeah, uh, just right. the ball in you the hole. Everything you need to make it. That's what I've been doing wrong all these years. <laughs> Dang it. Yeah. Just, just no, yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's good to hear that, but I know you, you know, just kind of summarizing that, uh, I envision more or less alone and afraid. Like you're having to be the guy to go out there and push yourself. Oh. And be, as you said, be disciplined to get things done because you don't have that network around you, that safety net like you did in the college days, yeah. nor that imagine like today, I know you're still doing a lot of, a lot of stuff on your own, but I imagine you have a little bit more of a, a network and a team to kind of assist you 
maybe with some of the day, yeah, the daily stuff, which is huge. So now, now um, I kind of want to pivot a little bit because the reason you guys are sitting together, obviously you're brothers and visiting, but you kind of have rejoined and blending the two worlds of, of golf and fire fighter pilot. Can you, can you kind of talk a little bit about the, the guns Memorial foundation and how it all kind of came about? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, um, you know, uh, there, there's a, there's a large veteran military aspect in our family. Our grandfather was, um, was in the army, um, and it ended up being a retired Colonel, uh, a decorated individual, uh, very inspirational to both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, our dad was in the Air National Guard um, growing up. We were exposed to that. Our uncle was in the, uh, the Air Guard as well, was a pilot. Um, you know, so we have some connections there. Uh, Michael, I think you said it in a, in a you know a different episode. We were out on the golf course about how you know the golf thing didn't work out. One of the things he was thinking about doing was going to West Point, like to be in the army. So. Um, the military Ooh, dodge that, that? Dodge that, dodge yeah, right, that bullet. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. uh, wow. But, uh, you know, so you no, know, we were all young and dumb. That's right. 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 You know, so there, there's that aspect of it. So he's always been, you know, we, we actually share a lot of common interests with like, you know, we love like watching you know, war movies or Top Gun or like, you know, reading history about that stuff or talking about it. Um, you know, he's always been super interested in kind of like what I do and like the places that I've been and whatnot. Um, and uh, so we've always had that connection, right? Um, and then obviously, you know, you know, went on to my fighter pilot uh, uh, gig that I've been doing. Um, and then along the way at McIntyre, you know, uh, there was, there was, I had the opportunity to meet guns uh, who, was my weapons officer, right? So the Air Force's top gun graduate was our weapons officer in our squadron, took us to combat. Um, great individual. Um, and somebody that Michael got to meet as well. His, his parents, because his parents lived up in, but they still live up in Charlotte. Uh, so went to a tournament up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Michael got to meet him. Um, and, you know, just somebody that I bonded with a lot as soon as I first got into uh, into McIntyre, um, you know, I was an active duty guy into a, into a fighter squadron. That's a guard unit. So it's a, you know, it's a fraternity, uh, that's super tight knit. It's tough to kind of socially get kind of into that, that network. And guns was one of the first guys, he was a weapons officer, right? So he's, he's the guy in charge of our training program and everything. And he was one of the first guys that reached out to me to like, basically kind of befriend me, which was kind of shocking. You know, it was like, wow, like that's, you know, it's quite the individual to basically he's in charge of everybody in the squadron, like from a weapons standpoint. And, you know, he's, I'm an active duty guy, I'm not even in the guard and he's kind of reaches out his hand to kind of, kind of guide me along and, and get to know me. And then we found out that we both had an interest in golf. And so we played golf together within like the first six months that I met, like that I showed up at McIntyre which again, like, is just baffling for somebody of that, you know, that caliber, that weapons officer, that like, uh, leader in the organization. Um, and then we basically very quickly became friends, even though he was my instructor on many, many events, many rides during, uh, my instructor pilot upgrade, you know, um, and, uh, but so we became, you know, uh, really close friends and good golf buddies. And, uh, and then, uh, and then he passed away in 2020, which was, you know, we've talked about this before, which obviously was a 
was a shock and, um, you know, and an emotional event. And, uh, you know, we started the foundation like we've, like we've talked about. Um, and really that, you know, it's something that, that it was a terrible event. Um, and it's still something that is, you know, obviously very, very sad and like depressing, right. That to lose a friend. Um, but, uh, you know, we had the conversation before about doing something that is military focused, mm-hmm. that is like something, um, you know, whether it's a nonprofit of some variety. And when this happened, it was like, this was a no brainer. So, uh, and it was even more no brainer because how much golf, uh, that guns played. I mean, he, he loved it. Uh, he, you know, he loved to, he had swing aids, he had to watch videos, he would send me videos, you know, so this a whole big, like affair thing, uh, with, yeah. uh, trying to get him to play better golf. Um, you know, and, uh, so, you know, he loved flying and he loved, uh, he loved golf and I fly. He loves go, does golf. This is a tragic event. We need to do something about it. And then the guns foundation, uh, was formed. So that's kind of how, how it happened. Michael, that's the piece too. You mentioned, I, I didn't realize this. The PGA is big with, uh, community service kind of outreach in those entities. Obviously you and Baldy and brothers, passion for golf, passion for the military, what was the process for you to get involved and kind of help shape the foundation? Yeah. So, um, I had always wanted to be able to give back in a way to the military community. I just didn't have anything that was personal to me. I, we, we'd done an event for uh, wounded warriors down when Zach was in Del Rio, the thriving metropolis of Del Rio. Yeah. Um, nothing better than that spot. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it was actually a great event. We, we raised a good, good bit of money, uh, for wounded warriors, which was fantastic. Um, and like my brother said, like we just have a strong military connection in our family. And, uh, you know, if I didn't play golf, I would have joined the military in some way, shape or form. Um, and I got to meet guns one time, uh, and didn't really get to spend too much time with him, but just got to meet him and his dad. Uh, they came out to the Wells Fargo Championship in, in Charlotte. And um, when Guns passed away, uh, I saw how big of an impact uh, that event had on my brother and his fellow pilots. Um, and, and I've always tried to stay up with, with what my brother's been doing and, and what's going on, um, get to know some of his fellow pilots and because I just think it's, it's, it's a cool community. It's a cool brotherhood that you guys have as pilots. Um, and in my mind, it was like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to use uh, my skills, uh, my small bit of notoriety um, to hopefully uh, honor guns and to honor my brother, you know, and to help my brother uh, deal with the healing um, process of one of his buddies passing. Um, and we started, we got involved in the foundation and started the foundation with no real direction. I mean, it was just to honor guns and, and his life and to be able to support his family, his, his wife and young kids. Um, and as we were planning the, uh, the golf tournament, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. I, I just had a vision based on the experiences that I've had at other charity events 
um, and, and how they operate and how they raise money. Um, and that first year we, we, uh, far out, uh, exceeded our expectations in terms of how much we, we could raise and the impact that we could have on, on the local, um, you know, Carolina's military community. And, uh, once we experienced that, that first tournament, we were like, we, we have to continue this. We have to grow this. We have to expand our impact. And it's, it's, um, it's exposed, it's, it's expanded threefold, um, since that first year where we've grown 300% and the, the amount of people that we are able to help and help quickly, uh, which is, which is a key part of, of our foundation is being able to, uh, help those in need very, very, very quickly. Um, has been absolutely wonderful. It, it means so much to me to be able to give back uh, my time because really that's all I have to offer. Because uh, I travel so much and I'm I'm preparing for golf tournaments. Um, I can I can help financially and help uh, give my time uh, to be able to raise money for those in need. And and um, it's just been an honor to be a part of it. Uh, you know, there's other golfers on tour that have their own charities and they do great work and for, for, for different things. And I've just always wanted to be part of a military ch charity and, and, uh, it, it's, it's so much fun, um, and exciting to see what, uh, what we're doing. Um, so it, it's, it's, yeah, it, yeah it, it's very cool to see the impact. And again, I know you guys are just getting started Croc, you know, talked a little bit about how people can find the foundation and what you guys are doing to help out. But as I mentioned, you know, right off the get go, he said he went to the United States Air Force Academy. So I'm sure a lot of people almost see a huge drop off. Yeah, right. Like, uh, uh, and, and listeners there. But uh, Baldy, can you just again, we've we've hit on different places about this. But if someone is in need, like who can the foundation help out? And then if people want to get involved, can you hit on like how people can get involved and sure. where they go. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, our organization is founded on, uh, really two focus, two mission sets, right. Uh, uh, guns is mission sets, right. It's, uh, aviation, um, and then helping, helping family and friends. So helping military family and friends. Right. Um, and that's, that's, those are our mission sets. So, um, you know, we are, providing any and all types of aid, um, to military veterans and their families. Um, and we've been doing that since the onset, uh, that can be financial or, or uh, it can be any other uh, form. Uh, we starting this mental health initiative, yeah. um, so counseling, counseling. I mean, it's really kind of any and all things. And then from the aviation side of the house, we we're basically trying to, um, expand, uh, people's, you know, exposure to the aviation industry as a whole. So whether that means people want to get involved in, in flying, right. Um, you know, we do scholarships, uh, we do a kind of uh, informational contact type stuff. Um, so there's really kind of a couple different things, uh, that we are focusing on. And if you want to find out any information about what we do, um, or our relationships with, um, different organizations uh, that we're working with, you can go to gunsgarin.com. Uh, it has everything there. It has guns story, which, is a good quick read about who he was and, and why we're doing what we're doing. Um, you can uh, contact us. Uh, you know, we have got social media, right? So Instagram, we've got Facebook, that's at Guns Garen. Um, 
And you can contact us at contact.gunsgarren.com for email wise. And we'll be happy to kind of uh, point you in the right direction or help you out in any way that we can. Uh, And and again, like Michael is saying, one of our things that we try to do is we try to make sure that we get a hold of people or we provide aid, support, help uh, as quickly as we can um, uh, since we're a little bit smaller organization that is rapidly growing. So please reach out. Please check us out um, uh, on on our website and let us know if you have any questions or want to help in any way. Um, Like I said, we're growing quickly, so more help the merrier. Yeah, awesome. I'll link gunsgarren.com down in the show notes so you can click that uh, for those who are listening. Again, someone who's, if you're interested in figuring out if you need some help, you can go there. Again, there's multifaceted from just helping people out in times of need. There's scholarships out there, but again, gunsgarren.com. And I'll throw that down in the show notes below so people can find it there. Now, guys, here's what's going to happen. One, I'm going to give you a chance for parting shots. If there's anything I missed, but Again, to lead, turn it and give you a little bit of a heads up. I'm going to ask you a 15 or 16 year old walking down the street. If you bumped into him, if you tell him to do something different, tips, tricks, or advice, that seems to, I think I got croc on that one. So you can mold that one over, but I'll turn it over. Any kind of parting shots before we go to the, uh, if you found the younger you walking on the street. Um, And no is an acceptable answer. I mean, we could have just covered every, everything there. Yeah, were, no. uh, you know, I, I would I would say that um, you know, obviously, dude, we appreciate you you having us on here and getting able to kind of share our story, yeah. uh, both easy, uh, both as like an organization in terms of the the Guns Garen Foundation, right? Um, it's something that we're very passionate about, um, and but then also being able to talk about like our our story, right, our history, and how. You know, we're here and we're working with the Guns Garen Foundation and, and why it matters to us. Hopefully that we've been able to kind of share, you know, why we're here and, you know, and how we got here. And, you know, if people have any questions about how that how that happened, uh, it's kind of a unique, fun story that, you know, has brought us, you know, closer despite a, a terrible tragedy. But, um, you know, well, I, I think what's cool about all of this and, and my brother and I and guns and the foundation is that the one common theme is that we all have dreamed big in our life like guns dreamed big we dreamed big we all worked as hard as we possibly could to make those dreams come true and so the foundation is is really um become a a, a part of that and embraces that mentality that that we want to dream big we want to help out thousands of military members and their families because Unfortunately, there's there's that many people that need our help, you know, that need help uh, every year. And, um, you know, in terms of of like wanting to to help young people, uh, a word of advice is like dream big, man. I mean, dream big and work your butt off to to achieve what you want to achieve. Um, That's, uh, um, I think that's, an overarching theme to, to kind of the connection between us and, and the foundation and guns is uh, dream big and work hard and know that there's resources out there that can yeah, help you. Absolutely. So. Yeah, no, that's great. I think it's a, a great way to kind of to wrap up as I lead into this. So Michael, again, since you're oldest, we'll kick off with you. If you found 15, 16, 17 year old walking down the street, is there anything, any advice you'd give him? Yeah, I, I, w- I would say dream big, uh, work hard. Don't let anybody tell you you can't can't accomplish what you want to accomplish. Uh, 
I, I remember for myself, I used to go around telling everybody that I was going to be a professional golfer and everybody rolled their eyes. Uh, <laughs> you know, they just looked at me like, okay, sure. Uh, whatever, Michael. Yeah. You, you, you go do yeah. that. Um, and, but I would go to the golf course and I would work. I would, I would put in the work. I'd putt and chip and I'd go play golf and I, I challenge myself every day. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, um, like experience as much as you can. I still played soccer all the way through, through high school. Uh, we're both Eagle Scouts. So we did Boy Scouts all the way through high school. Um, you know, we, we, we're essentially adventure seekers. You know, we want to go out and do, and do stuff. We don't want to sit around and, and, you know, just play video games and, um, you know, be hobbits, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, get out. You look like a hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just get out and experience the world. There, there's a huge world out there. There's lots of things, uh, exciting things to do. Um, lots of different professions. You don't just have to do golf and flying. Um, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, but find that passion, find, find that desire, uh, and pursue it with all of your heart. Um, that would be my biggest advice. I love it. Baldy. I can't follow that. You found 15. Yeah. That's, I was like, man, that's, that's a tough one there. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Cut. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, to kind of, I would, I mean, I echo that, right. Um, that would, the thing that I would pile on is that what I've always tried to do from the onset, again, like, you know, we were lucky to have the, the passions that we had when we were six, uh, was to do whatever you can to, to keep as many doors open as possible. And, um, I think that starts with having as much passion and like being diligent about working hard towards mm-hmm. your goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you kind of look at it from a perspective of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try not to shut any doors myself, um, in whatever that means. Right. So, that means obviously doing well in school. That means like working hard. That means, mm-hmm. you know, um, meeting people, meeting people, you know, finding a mentor, uh, you know, exposing yourself to different resources. Like those things I feel like we, we did a lot of when yeah. we were at that age. Um, and it was super critical to like our success. Right. So, um, you know, life will close doors on you. Um, at some point down the road that just, mm-hmm. it happens. Um, but I feel like the worst thing you can do is close the door on yourself. Um, which, you know, whatever, as cliche as it is, believe in yourself, don't <laughs> let somebody tell you that you can't do something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. I feel like I, I fought internally for a while when I was probably in college, maybe slightly younger where I was like, I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to be like a fighter pilot. I, I had a couple some exposure yeah. to flying and I was like, everything's so fast. I was like, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. But one of the things I told myself was don't close the door on yourself. And I never did. And, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Look at you guys now. Well, gents, I do really appreciate you taking the time again. It was great to just come up there and, and hang out with you for the the golf tournament, learn about guns and the foundation, the work you guys are doing. And it's cool to kind of do like a little bit deeper dive into what makes you guys tick and a little bit of your background. Yeah, so it's been fun. 